Hello everyone and welcome to the Motor City Hoops podcast, an entertaining fresh take on the three-time NBA champs, the Detroit Pistons. Hey Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Motor City Hoops. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads podcast network, including Cavalier Central, Knuck If You Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Hashtag Lakers, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, and At The Buzzer. Plus, our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, and The Green Light. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S. And use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Hello and welcome to the Motor City Hoop Show. Today we'll discuss the Pistons' last four games, one win and three losses. The emergence of Dennis Smith Jr. and Saban Lee. And then we'll head around the NBA and give you our power rankings at this point in the season. Also, check in with the playoff picture in both conferences. But first, let's get to our first game of the week. Last week against the Magic, a loss, 105-96. Bryce, what are your thoughts on those games? Yeah, so so this first game, um, an, another game where we just didn't shoot the ball very well, Vlad. You know, we were 37% from the field and 28% from three. And uh, Jeremy Grant, uh, Josh Jackson had great starts to this game. Uh, I I really feel like, you know, this week was one of those weeks, the last maybe 10 days, where I feel like Josh Jackson has become that consistent number two scorer. Um, You know, that's kind of something we had talked about. We even talked about him possibly leading the team in scoring this year before the emergence of Jeremy Grant as our obvious number one. This was also kind of the start of Saban Lee's emergence we've seen bits and pieces of him delon wright's been out and so i kind of tagged this one the saban lee game he almost had the dunk of the year in this game this is the one where he about put one on vooch's head that was was pretty incredible um but you know vooch and fournier are just good man vooch gets a bucket in a variety of ways fournier shot the ball well and you know we just we weren't able to come up with a win yeah, and we are 1-17 when trailing after three quarters, and this is one of those games. And Plumlee comes out in the fourth, and then Vucevic goes and scores 15th as soon as Plumlee comes out. Um, you know, when you have a, g- a guy that can really dominate the game inside out and has a high IQ, uh, it's, it's very hard to guard. You know, he just nominated the All-Star right before the game. He knew of it, and um, you know, I, I just didn't feel like we really had a chance this game. 
like you said, we shot the ball very poor. You know, we're 11 of 40 from three-point range. Uh, but I do want to point out a good stat because last week we were talking about assists, turnovers, and all this stuff. And the good stat night for me was 23 assists to 11 turnovers. So we got to find, you know, some kind of good in this bad, <laughs> uh, bad losses. And, um, you know, like you said, Josh Jackson, 17 and 10. I think he's going to be a great second unit guard for like he's he's going to be that guy for us and hopefully long term because right now the sample is not small anymore. You know, we're not talking about 10 games into the season, right? I feel like he's done enough to be like okay, he, he can beat this guy. Like we're good. Yes, it's I, just I, my feeling. I I completely agree. I Vlad, I feel like we have our second unit almost you know, solidified. I think we have a great second unit. What we're still looking for, obviously, Killian Hayes hasn't been playing. And Sadiq Bay, I think, is a starting three-man for a long time in Detroit. So we're looking for, like, one more piece. You know, you have Plumlee. Eventually, we get Hayes back. And we have that one more piece we need. But second unit-wise, and I, I don't want to jump the gun here. We'll get into our backup point guards. But with Josh Jackson, like to me, that's that's a great second unit wing. And if we find a number one, another number one option or a number two option, and he becomes your number three option, Vlad off the bench, I think we're in a really, really good place with Josh Jackson. Absolutely. And going to game two against the Magic, the game that we won 105-93, you know, the Detroit bench was going this game as the best scoring bench in the league at 41.2 points per game. And our, just like you said, it our bench is ready. It, it just seems that they're a little young. So maybe Josh at times has a little too much freedom. But I'm okay with that because we need that from him, that kind of energy, those kind of shots. And we have to live with maybe one bad turnover, two bad turnovers, two bad shots. You kind of have to live with that, I feel like it. Yes, that, that I'm glad you brought that up. So uh, Dwayne Casey had a quote, um, I think it was yesterday, talking about this, that, that the aggressiveness that Josh Jackson is showing is the aggressiveness they want. I think there was a stat about how many shots he's taken the last four games. And I think some people were questioning whether Casey wanted him taking that many shots. And Casey didn't budge. He said, now he said him and Josh do talk constantly about decision making and all that. But there's a reason Josh Jackson isn't a starting two-man for a title contender or something like that. It's because he's got he has some flaws. He's not a great three-point shooter. It was probably a mirage how well he shot it early in the year. He actually has been really struggling from the free throw line, but he can do good things for you. If he can give us 15 to 18 points off the bench, energy, and Vlad, I know we don't like to talk about this, but the guy plays a lot of really good defense. He guards, he's the best, if maybe the best guard shot blocker in the league. And so that's a great second second unit wing. And that's why he's great with the second unit is it's okay if he forces up some shots because he's not out there with Jeremy Grant or Sadiq Bey and taking shots away from them. Absolutely. And I love what you said about defense because I feel like that second unit can oh. be very defensive-oriented, very running-gun oriented. Uh, they can have kind of their own style almost, you know, a little bit very a little bit different than our starting lineup, you know. Okay, it's going to depend, I think, on who we draft next summer, how Killian Hayes plays to really figure out how the starting lineup is going to play. But if we keep Saban Lee, and we're going to get in discussion a little bit later, Bryce, yeah. Saban Lee or Dennis Smith Jr. with a Josh Jackson, with a Stewart, with a, with a Stewart, that second unit to me is like they, they can even play 5-on-5. Five five. Like you don't want them to play 5-on-5 five five offense. 
Like no. you want them to be aggressive, get a defensive rebound, create turnovers, like that little, uh, you know, like the little havoc. Just get out there, run, put up quick shots. Like we have to be okay with that because they're very athletic, they're very aggressive, and they're young. I guess they're young and hungry. Isn't that what you want from your second unit? Like, don't you want a, ch- a little bit of a change of pace? So, like, I think our first unit is going to play at a middle-of-the-road pace just based on their skill set and who they are. And like you said, and maybe it depends. But they're not necessarily, like, super fly-around athletic dudes, high-energy guys. Even Sadiq Bey is not that as good as he is. And Jeremy Grant isn't necessarily that. So let them play at a certain pace, then bring in your second unit and then just flip a switch and play completely different. Maybe wear some guys down, get them in foul trouble, change the pace, and then bring the first unit back. Like, I love that contrast in style. Absolutely. And since we mentioned uh, Saban Lee earlier, you know, this was his game also, you know, 21 points, 8 for 11 shooting. And, uh, you know, digging a little deep, you know, he's not a typical rookie either. Like, I was looking at his dad playing pro in the NFL. So maybe he's a little bit ahead of the curve for a second round pick to, yes. me, to me he's been playing very well you know as soon as he had the chance there was you know he, he took it every single time and um you know that that says a lot and i'm, I'm kind of happy of this okay now the injuries i, I don't want to put it that way but i'm happy these guys are getting the chance again yes him and dennis smith jr because we get a chance to see our potential backup point guard you know i think both of them have the potential to be a long-term backup point guard Detroit, especially as long as the second unit stays this way, you know, athletic, yep. aggressive, up and down, uh, that kind of style. I think those this, these two guys fit the bill. Yes. You know? Agreed. So, Agreed. Uh, now, another thing, though, that it's worth mentioning that Detroit is 3-14 and 14 on the road right now. Um, well, they, they were going this game. And uh, to, to me, it seems like we struggle on the road. Even though oh, some of the stats don't really make sense to me, right? Because, like, it's, it's, I understand if you're a young team, you struggle on the road, but I also feel like if there's no fans or like very limited fans in the stands, that shouldn't affect you. you so, Vlad, <laughs> so, you, you, you would know this better than me. I, you know, we both played Division One. So, there, there was obviously travel. You rode on a bus, stayed in a hotel, and all that. I, I love that. I actually enjoyed playing on the road more than at home. Um, you know, but you've, you've been playing professionally for multiple years now in, 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 uh, in multiple countries. Do you think part of it's just the travel? These guys have families because they're adults. So you're away from your wife. You're away from your kids. Do you think that has to, more to do with it even than just the crowd and unfamiliar environment? It could in a regular year, but this year is so different that I wonder if just, you know, being locked up in the room with the rules yes. they have right now, with COVID, like maybe yeah. it just takes a toll, you know, like you stay in your room the whole day and just waiting for a game, you know, can't go out of your room or you can only go to your teammate's room, stuff like that. It can just take a toll, you know, like you can't even go out just, to eat, like you can't hit up your favorite uh, place to eat or anything. So I'm saying, or you have family in town, you can't see them, like stuff like that is very difficult. And I feel like a few NBA players already talked about that. So maybe that's why also, you know, um, we guys kind of struggle to keep focus all day when, you know, you wake up at 9 a.m. and it's like, oh, man, I got a game at 8 p.m. and I can't get out of my room. It's like, yeah, uh, you know, I, I can't imagine that being very easy and having all the Zoom meetings uh, because I heard that all teams mostly do Zoom meetings. Um, well, I'm sure, stuff, it, so. yeah, I'm sure that protects against the contact tracing. You know, if somebody tests positive, if they can say they haven't all been in the same meeting room watching film together or whatever, you know, I mean, 
I, yeah, but it, me- mentally it makes it very tough for the players. No, no, absolutely. Like, you know, absolutely. I would, I would, <laughs> no, yeah. for sure, sure, for sure. I, I get it. So one thing I want to mention before we move on to the Pelicans game, you know, we have, we haven't we don't talk as much about Jeremy Grant as we were early on because like it just seemed like we were always talking about him. But this was one of those games. Not necessarily he didn't shoot it extremely well, but he had seven rebounds and six assists, and those are the kind of I guess that's the growth I want to see from Jeremy Grant now. I believe in him as a scorer. I think he's a 20 to 25 point a game scorer. Um, I've gone on to say I think he's our number two option eventually, like whenever we want to start really competing. But I would like to see him more consistently get these rebounds and assists. And I know it's asking a lot, Vlad. I get it. You know, he steps into this role and then we want more. And then he does this and we want more. But I'd like to see a little bit more of that all around game from him. Yeah, I think he's getting there. He's slowly getting there, and uh, just the track record is there. That he's improving all the time, uh, and that makes me very excited about his his potential. He he will get there. He will get there, but we have to be a little bit patient because it's it's not so easy, you know. Like he, I think he just uh, got accustomed to scoring a lot, and he has some periods where he kind of doesn't rebound, or he had a game or two when he had like two rebounds, because it's kind of you know you get in that flow of the game. You know how it is, Bryce. You know. You get in the flow of the game, you start scoring, and it's like all you want to do is score. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so well, but he, he kind does, of forget he, it, like, oh, I got a rebound and a pass. And, you know, and, but he, especially – He does defend, ahead. though, too. It's not like he doesn't yeah. guard. Like, he's he plays both ends of the floor. So that's why I say, like, I realize I'm getting nitpicky here asking for even more. But to, to me, that's the next step to, like, superstardom or, I guess, since he didn't make all-star, that's the next step to becoming an all-star. Pairing the 23 yeah, points. Exactly. With, I agree. I agree. He, he's he's not very far. He's like one step away from that. Agreed. I totally agree with you. Yep. And now let's move to Pelicans. You know, uh, one twenty eight, one eighteen loss. Zion killed us. You know, thirty two <laughs> points. He's good. <laughs> and man. Was, he... Absolutely, but it was a great first half in the Pistons. Bryce, sixty nine yes, points. We scored nine threes. We uh, we shot fifty three point one from the field in the first half. It's just a combined field goal percentage. And then, very typical of us this year, we come back with, I don't know, like almost a different team in the second half where, you know, they allow 30-plus points both quarters in third and fourth quarter. Uh, they scored 22 and 27. So, it's, it's the up and down again that I feel like we, we've seen from, from our team. You know, it's like, okay, we get hot and then – we stay hot, and then something happens, and then we just kind of fall. Yeah, so and that's I, kind of the story in the in the Kings game too. Following after this one, you know. Yeah, I, I literally put that in my notes, Vlad. So as I'm watching the game, I, I kind of make my first half notes, and we had ten players score, and, and we scored sixty nine first half points, and our high score was ten. So you talk about like balanced scoring. Everybody that was getting in the game was getting buckets, and it should be noted that Jeremy Grant didn't play in this game. He he took a night off. Sekou started in his place. But in my notes, I put, can we put two halves together, question mark, question mark. Because the last time we had an offensive performance like this in the first half, we completely tanked in the second. And I don't know that this performance was as bad as that one, but it wasn't necessarily great. Well, I can tell you something that some some Pistons fans might not want to hear. If we put two halves together this season, we're going to be in the playing game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're not that far away, Bryce. We no, we're really not. are not. We're just the way we're playing – you know, we are, you know, six games behind the Hornets right now. I I don't want to be there, but I'm just saying, like, it's it's very, you know, it could be a possibility if, if 
we, we can talked, put two halves together. We talked about this last episode, I think, whenever we were talking about um, we were talking about a trade or something. I, I don't remember what it was or extending somebody. I don't, I don't, I can't remember for sure, but how different Pistons fans are than us in terms of where we are at in the rebuild, because a, I think a lot of Pistons fans disagree with us that we're closer than what they think. A lot of Pistons fans, I think, think we're five years away where we think next year we're in the playoffs and in two years we're, you know, a top four team really competing if things go right and guys develop. And these halves, like the first half against the Pelicans, show that. There's a lot, a lot, there's a lot of talent. Jeremy Grant didn't play, okay, in this game, in the first half. We started Sekou. We're starting Dennis Smith Jr. And Josh Jackson's playing. Svee, Stewart, like, and we scored 69 points. I realize the Pelicans aren't a great defensive team, but we have a lot of the pieces in place already. Absolutely. And I think, I really think that we are one player away, one very good player away, right? Yes. One it's Kate Cunningham right away. Yes. One, one Kate Cunningham away since he just dropped 40. He was good. He was night. good yesterday. <laughs> and everybody from Absolutely. Detroit was watching. I don't think there's ever been an Oklahoma, Oklahoma State game watched more by fans in Michigan than that game yesterday. <laughs> yeah. And he's. Yeah, he's a killer. He's a certified killer. And yes. I would love to have Kate Cunningham along, Jeremy Grant, Killian Hayes, you know, Sadiq. Uh, Plumley, Sadiq, and with a second unit that we have right now. I think just by adding that guy to the roster, just by Kate being on the roster next year, I think we're a top eight, you know, we're, we're a playoff team in the East. A thousand percent agreed. And I don't think we're five years away. I think we're. I mean, from can we contend in two, three years? I don't know, but we can be a playoff team even next year. You know, given everybody's healthy and somehow we managed to get Blake off the books without just killing us. And, and <laughs> I, think I think that, that that's also going to be a huge thing. I, and for our listeners, I think we're also projecting that guys like Sadiq Bay continue to get even a little bit better. Not like crazy, oh, absolutely. But, but get better. A guy like Isaiah Stewart adds on the three-point shot to his game. Not like not a 40% three-point shooter or something, but can make a three-point shot. Whether it's Saban Lee or Dennis Smith Jr. Like, so we are, for our listeners, we are projecting that guys continue to improve because they're young guys in their career that usually show improvement from their rookie year to their second year, second to third, and so on. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree with you. Can I, okay. And I, before, I, we I, move, before we move to Kings game, I do want to mention Plumlee had 21 points, nine oh, rebounds, seven assists this that's game. That's not where I thought you were going to go. Gosh, and Josh, you know, Josh scored 25. <laughs> So, again, we've seen those sparks and, you know, Mason Plumley being a great role player he is right now. You know, Josh being a spark off the bench that we talked about. You know, just this kind of stuff is worth mentioning because what sure. is consistent, it's consistency we're talking about and this is what we're lacking off. So, when guys show it, I think it's very good to be pointing out that, okay, Josh is consistent scoring the ball. It's exactly what we need from him. So, you know, he becomes that certified score off the bench then, you know, it's, it's one less piece you got to worry about. And that's why maybe you and I, Bryce, are more positive. Sure. And, um, you know, we see this rebuild building up faster than because, you know, we see Josh being that guy, you know, being able to even next year on a better team, on a better Detroit team, coming in and scoring, you know, 15, 16, 17 a night. 
What we see Josh Jackson being is the Jordan Clarkson for the Utah Jazz this year, or the Lou Williams for what for we'll get into Lou Williams and the Clippers later, but for Lou William what Lou Williams was for the Clippers the last couple years. Like I think that's what we see him as is a guy that comes in off your bench and can give you twenty points whenever you need it. One negative I want to mention, and hopefully we don't lose any listeners because I bring this up. Sekou started in this game, all right, and he didn't look particularly good. And here's how I want to preface this. I'm out on Sekou for this year. And you've said this from the beginning. He needs the G League. Okay. I think Sekou, I don't think Sekou's ready yet. I'm not giving up on Sekou. I'm not saying we should just trade him. I'm not saying we should cut him. I'm saying he needs another year. I still have faith that Sekou could be our, our long-term four man. But watching him, he got his chance to start. He played 22 minutes. And I just don't think it's there yet with consistency. But that doesn't mean it won't eventually be there. He's still young. He still hasn't been playing basketball for that many years. But I don't think he's ready yet. Like you mentioned, I, I've said this before this year. I thought that was one guy on this team that really needed to get better. Yes, and you that said really it from the beginning. G League and games. You know, when, when fans were up in arms that Sick was not playing, I really wasn't that mad about it. I, I just didn't see him ready. Like, as soon as Sadiq Bey came in, I was like, okay, he's, he's ready. I didn't see yeah. that from Sekwe. Like, he's so up and down. Uh, his confidence seems so up and down. And to me, he needs that G League. You know, he needs that G League again. Even next year, he might need it. Like, let's not be shocked if that happens. Maybe it, it can take him a little bit longer to develop because he hasn't been playing basketball since he was seven years old like some of his other guys. So let's get that right. You know, when he's, he's coming off his... I, I believe he's, this is his sixth year, seventh year playing basketball. And, you know, this is his second year in the NBA. So he's only had four or five years outside of the NBA. And he's he has a lot of potential. You know, I love his athletic ability. I love that he can shoot the ball. And he can do some stuff with it. But I would just, you know, I would just wait. Like, let's not create that expectation on him. And kind of let's, let's let him develop and focus on these guys that are a little bit more ready than he is. Yes. The expectations got out of hand, and, and that's now the issue, I think. Yeah, and it was a lot of why Sekou not playing, because he was the second year, and, you know, Bay was playing, but Sekou was not playing. And I think Casey got knows, you know, he's been coaching for a long time, and he's like, okay, Bay is more ready than Sekou. Yep. And let's not forget, Bay is not a one and done. So yeah. yes. he has a lot yes. more experience than Sekou, you know. He's he's been coached at a certain level by Jerry Wright for He played in a program years. that's developing guys, yeah. Exactly. So he has had time to adjust, whereas Sekou is basically what? Like if he would have been in college, he would have been a sophomore or junior. So let's let, let's just be a little more patient with Sekou, I would say. And if he gets minutes and he gets bad minutes as far as like he's not playing well, I'm okay with that too at this point. But just don't create expectations for him to come in and, you know, have 15 and 8 or 10 and 8 or something like that. Agreed. Agreed. I would rather just, just give him some time. And Bryce, let's move to the Kings game. A loss. 110-107. Again, that roller coaster, that up and down, the no consistency we talked about. We're down 17 in the fourth quarter, in the first quarter, sorry, and we're up eight points in the fourth. And it's just, you know, I understand. I understand that even when fans or people say, oh man, they don't have no intention in the first quarter, and it's just the NBA game, you know, they start slow, but we can't be like this all season long. Like, I understand you're down five or ten, but you're down 15, 20, or you're up 20, and then you're down 20. And then I'm like, how is this possible? And <laughs> we can chalk it up the youth. 
you know, and again, we were down 17. I give him a lot of credit. We came back in the game up eight points in the fourth, but we just didn't finish the game. Yeah, it's this. I don't know what's more concerning at this point, Vlad, the the inability to start games effectively on a lot of nights or the inability to close games whenever we have these leads. Because both have become, you know, trends, I feel like, with this team. We've seen us not start games, but we've seen us lose a lot of fourth quarter leads. And I know maybe it's something that people overlook because then it's easy at the end of the game to go to say, hey, we competed, but you know we're still we're still in the in the lead for the Kane Cunningham sweepstakes, and so I understand that. But it would be nice to see us close out some of these these close games. And I thought you know as much crap as Dwayne Casey takes, I thought he had a great challenge at the end of that game. I was pissed. I I, I turned the game off whenever it happened. Whenever it looked like Buddy Hield had got the and one and the foul on Josh Jackson. And I kept white waiting for the updates to show me the final score. And all of a sudden I realized like they were taking points off the board. I was like, what the heck is going on? So I had to turn the game back on and realize that Casey had challenged the play. They reversed the call and all that and gave us a chance. So, but um, we, we do have to figure out a way to finish games. And then one other thing I want to mention from this game is the Dennis Smith Jr. dunk. And, and I, don't, I don't like to be that guy, that, <laughs> but that was sick. That dunk was nasty. And I tweeted out that, that that made the trade worth it. No matter what happens from here on out, that singular dunk, all right, made that trade worth it. And, and obviously there was some joking in that, but it was, and, and then he followed it up with some really nice play as well. He played his best game probably as a piston. Um, in totality so but that's it's, it's funny because so. you know they're allowed some fans family friends I think journalists and someone tweeted that it was like this place got really loud for a second <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of funny you know given that like only like three four hundred people in the stands yeah yeah but uh that that was really electric and uh, it's kind of what we expected from Dennis Smith Jr. though if, if you think about it he's taking advantage of that chance and it's a good also good transition to Let's talk about Dennis Smith Jr. and Saban Lee, right? So, uh, but before we move on that, you know, DSJ has 17 points and six rebounds in the game. Uh, it was his best game, you know. But the last three games, he's had 14 and 1, 11 and 6, and 17 and 7. He's, he plays at a good pace. He gives us ball pressure. He gets paint touches. And he's very aggressive. And I'm okay with that. It's exactly what we wanted for that second unit guard that we just talked about, Bryce, right? Yes. Yes. That's. What, are, are we in the to the three one three now? Or yeah, we we'll, move, we'll move it. I think. It was... Okay. Yeah, that's a per- perfect. So uh, I, I like Dennis Smith Jr. You know, I do think he's a perfect fit. And you know what? Like nobody talked about his defense whenever we made this trade. He gets after dudes, and and I think what people want to say is, oh well, it's against second unit point guards. I don't care. That's who he's going to play against long term. I don't. You know, he's starting for us right now because of the injuries. He's not our long-term answer at the at the starting one. But, yes, coming off the bench, that energy, that athleticism, the defense, he's shown that he can shoot it a little bit. I mean, two of four, two of three, one of four, and two of five from three in the last four games. And and I think he's still getting his confidence back, Vlad. And, and you and I both know how important confidence is. Well, confidence, rhythm, you know, he hasn't played. He was begging New York to let him go play in the G League because he just wanted to hoop. So it was kind of obvious that the first games might be a little bit rough. But what I'm seeing of him is really a good, a solid backup point guard. The only thing that can get in the way of us keeping him is the salary, right? Right now I think he's at $5 million 
and compared to a Saban Lee who's in a two way right now, you know, it can be very hard to well, you know, yeah, to I choose think the, Dennis the, the, Jr. You know, yeah. for a few million compared to Saban Lee. The qualifying offer I think is seven point seven, and so I think we've talked about this. I don't think there's any way we give him that, but does he become a free agent and then we sign him to like some sort of long-term contract at a lower yearly rate? Yeah, I think I think he's going to be a free agent and we'll see what happens in the market because I think he can be a very good backup point guard, but at a certain price. So I think this, this, this whole salary, I think, is going to be the one that's going to be in the way of us signing him. And, and it, 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 which leads it, I mean, goes back to, and this is, I think, what we were talking about when we were talking about the time frame of, of when we can win is the Blake Griffin thing. That's why some people want us to buy him out and some people don't and whatever else. If we get Blake Griffin bought out or, I know, you know, what if we get some of that money off the books for next year, then it opens up some wiggle room to do some of these things we're talking about. Yeah. And. We'll have to see because we're getting close at deadline and he's going to be moved yeah. one way or another. And that's going to clear some stuff for us, you know. And um, But I see them very similar, Bryce. Like between Sabin Lee and Dennis Smith Jr., I, I like both of them. But I Who think if, like I had more? To choose, if I had to choose one, I would choose Sabin Lee. I, I agree. I, mean, I, I actually he's agree. Bit, he's a little bit younger. He's, um, I don't want to say cheaper. He's on a cheaper contract. And they're very similar. You know, they're both very athletic. They both, put, put, you know, good, do a good job pressuring the ball. They attack the rim hard. You know, they get in the paint with ease. You know, and Saban Lee's a rookie. He's our, he's our second-round pick. It might be a little bit different feeling for, for, for that. You know, like get our second-round pick to, to be our backup point guard for the next two, three years. You know, his dad was a former pro athlete, I said earlier. So, he has a lot of the intangibles, I think, for a second-unit point guard. He's perfect. Like, I love Dennis Smith Jr., but as much as I love him, I I, I completely agree with you. If, if, if it comes down, and I've asked this question on Twitter. I've asked uh, to Rod Beard. I've sent it out to just Pistons Twitter in general. You know, is there a way that we keep both of these guys? I think that's... I think if it comes down to we keep one or the other, I think we keep Saban Lee. I, I actually don't see any way it's not Saban Lee. He, like you said, we drafted him. He's going to be cheaper. He's a little bit younger. And I actually like him more as a player because I keep coming back to the word juice. Like he he steps on the floor and he ha- there's just a ju- an energy, a juice to his game. Like he raises – to me, he's like the point guard version of Isaiah Stewart in the way that he brings this energy. And he touches the paint whenever he wants with the ball of Lod. And I love that. We talked about paint touches last episode um, after um, one of the games that, uh, the, you know, the, we never touched the paint and our opponent was getting there whenever they wanted. And so he does yeah, that the with Ma- ease. The Memphis game, yeah. Which game? The Memphis game when we got the Memphis, scored. Yeah, 20, yeah, 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 yeah. We received yeah. like 24 points in the paint the first quarter. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, Memphis, <laughs> Memphis. Yeah, that, exactly. Yeah. It was the Memphis game. So I love Saban Lee. It, do you think they can play? Do you think they could play in the backcourt together? Do you think they could be the back, you know, one and two, and then you slide JJ to the three? Do you think you could do that? I'll choose the, I'll choose Saban Lee and only Saban Lee because Dennis Smith Jr. has a nice story to it. Oh, he came back, and this is not the first guy that Casey revived, right? Is is Wood? Is Josh Jackson? Now is Dennis Smith Jr. who seems to have like a revival under Casey. And I'm all okay for it if he walks too. 
because we have Sable Lee and we also have DeLon Wright, who can play both spots and he can be that point guard at times. He can play the two also. So let's not forget, I don't think DeLon Wright is going anywhere. I think people overlook his relationship with Casey, the fact that he's been wanting to, to play for Casey for a few years. I don't see him going anywhere. I think that's that, that's clear to me. Maybe some fans still hope to get something out of it, but I think his relationship with Casey and the desire to play for Coach Casey is so high that he's not going to care to move. So, and this leads me right to the Spencer Dinwiddie stuff. Okay. One Why? second. Hold on one second. One second. If if we let Dennis Smith Jr. walk, did we lose the Blake the Derrick Rose trade then? No, you got a second round pick for it. And okay. A rental and and a rental that you 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 had the Rose or Dennis Smith Jr. And at the end of the day, you did something good for Derrick Rose. It's one of those karma things. I hope you know. You did some good for Derrick Rose. You also did some good for Dennis Jr. Dennis Smith Jr. And we got a pick out of it. Okay, so I don't see it as a loss. You see it as okay, Josh. You know, Christian Wood came here, improved his game, got paid somewhere else. Jeremy Grant came in, became better. Dennis Smith Jr. was about to get kicked out of the league. He came here, got better. He goes and signs a contract, and then maybe we do become some sort of a, a free agent destination for other free agents like that. That that's kind of how you're seeing this, right? Like that's the advantage we get from this. Well, I think Coach Casey has a track record right now, at least the last two years, of kind of revi- reviving guys or seeing the potential in guys sure. right now, right? We're looking at Josh Jackson. We're looking at Jeremy Grant. Uh, even Plumlee, you could say, right? I mean, sure. as a starting sure. yeah. center. Yeah. You, you, like Stewart, you know, drafting Stewart and all this stuff. It seems that, to me, what happens when, when stuff like this happens is that you automatically, like, start believing in the staff, in the management, so when players look at it, it's like, okay, well, the coach knows what he's doing. The GM, the GM knows what he's doing. Fair enough. Okay. You know, so I think that that's, you got to look at the bigger picture and be like, okay, well, can we sign a big free agent? I don't know. Can we sign, you know, a Kevin Durant a free agency? Probably not. But you can get some very solid guys because of a track record that was built over two or three years where, you know, I had a bad year. Maybe I want to go to Detroit and. Something like that. Yeah, I can live it. I I probably was looking at it too narrow-minded in, okay, we traded Rose for Dennis Smith Jr. in a second-round pick, and really all we got Dennis Smith Jr. was for 40 games, and then he walked in free agency. But there is a bigger picture there to go along with it. So that's fair. Which is true. And I think it would have been different if Rose was not a free agent. But he was on an expiring contract, so we had to wait. Yeah. Rose is going to walk or Dennis Smith Jr. is the same thing. They were both going to walk. So for sure. that's why it doesn't make – I understand if Rose was in a two more years at a somewhat cheaper deal, then, yeah, I would have been like, okay, we should get more out of him, out of Dennis Smith Jr. But given the scenario, I think it's fine. I think we got a second-round pick. And uh, we'll see. I mean, maybe they do keep Dennis Smith Jr. Who knows? But now let's go to Spencer Dinwiddie, Bryce. It's uh, <laughs> it's it, it's been popping up, and I, honestly, I'm I'm a fan of Dinwiddie. I love his game. I, you know, coming off of ACL, I don't know what's gonna happen with him, but he kind of fits the bill that we're kind of trying to build, like defensive oriented, six six, can play multiple positions. He's very interesting to me. What do you you don't like it, so I will. I feel like I'm always against the grain when it comes to this stuff. I like this idea. Always, there's always a caveat of who are, who would we have to trade for him. Like I'm not I'm not getting rid of any of our young core for him. So if you're talking about Josh Jackson in the deal, I'm out. If you're talking about like any of our rookies, Sadiq Bay or something like that, I'm out totally. 
But if it's like DeLon Wright and Wayne Ellington or something like that, and I don't know if that's what the Nets need or would do, but I'm in on that. Like, I think Dinwiddie's really good. He's a guy I pegged as – you go back and listen to about seven episodes ago when he first tore his ACL, and I brought this up. Like, let's buy low on him while he's hurt. He averaged 20 a game last year. To me, Dinwiddie could be that free agent that you've talked about, Vlad, right? You've talked about getting rid of – if we got rid of Blake Griffin's contract, we go sign a free agent and we draft – you know, uh, in the top five. Well, to me, that's Spencer Dinwiddie. Now, the problem with Dinwiddie is he has a player option after this year, which coming off the injury, you assume he takes. And then would he stay in Detroit long term or does he have bad feelings from when he was here early in his career? Um, Can I reach, Bryce? Can I go for a reach? Absolutely. It's your show. You can do whatever you want. (laughs) Somehow, somehow package Blake Griffin to go there. They need uh, one more big guy. We're gonna we're gonna get into the power rankings. The, They're the, one big guy away from the being problem really, is, Vlad, really good. I, I don't think you can make the money work. But yes, the, Wait, he was a. We, well, I tell we, right now he has. Dinwiddie has one eleven point five this season, right? And he, they, Brooklyn has a five point seven million disabled player exception because of him. So you're looking at almost seventeen million right there. I don't know how they can make it for next year. That's a whole different ball game. But no, I, somehow, I, some way, I, no, if we can pull this off. I love it if you could do that. Like, to me, when Dinwiddie got hurt, that's what I was thinking was Blake Griffin to Brooklyn. and But I just don't see where the money's at. And, and that's whenever – I think that's when you – I don't know if that's when you have to start bringing in other teams. I I, I don't know. But, yes, that, that's, that would be ideal – I just don't see how it plays out. Um, no, I don't think. I, like some of the names that they're looking at, they're looking at real bigs. You know, Drumland, Kim Birch, JaVale McGee, Ed Davis, Mike Muscala, and Hassan Whiteside are some of the names that are, you know. Are linked there. Um, yeah, being passed around for, for Brooklyn. Because like I said, they're one they're one big away from being uh, really good. So I don't see it happening. It was just a huge reach, you know. Just, uh, <laughs> My thing with Spencer Dinwiddie. And a hopeful Din- reach. My thing with Spencer Dinwiddie is – you know, I, I don't think AC. We're not in the early two thousands anymore with ACLs. You know, I mean, we, we've never got into it on this show. I've torn my ACL multiple times, and and I had I, my experience was the outlier Vlad. I was never the same after I tore it the first time because I had multiple tears. But in general, guys tear their ACLs, girls tear their ACLs a lot anymore. It's a six month rehab, and you're ready to go. I don't even think it's twelve months. You know, and his was a partial tear, which is a little bit different as well. So. I don't think the ACL would tear me, fit or scare me. Um, fit would worry me a little bit. You know, are you getting too heavy on point guards, whatever, but you can play some of these guys off the ball. Fit would be the biggest argument against it, um, in my opinion. Yeah, but the other thing is we did draft Dean Woody seven yeah, years no, ago. So. And, and that's what so, <laughs> that's um, so our guy no, Andrew from our Everything Pistons podcast um, – that I, that I hooked up with last week and, and got in on with him and Lance, Andrew said he doesn't think there's any way Dinwiddie would come to Detroit. He thinks he has bad feelings towards the Pistons and, uh, and there's no way he would stay here long term. And so there's no way you can make this trade if you don't have some sort of under-the-table understanding that he's going to sign a contract extension. I was just looking to get rid of Blake Griffin's contract, <laughs> at least on my side. Yeah, well – no, of course. Any trade that does that, we're in on. That's all I'm saying, right? Just get it, and hey, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. It, it, 
either way, it's very interesting that uh, the rumors are that the Pistons are interested in training for him. If, if nothing else, um, Troy Weaver turns over every rock, Vlad. Like the more yeah. you, the more you see with this guy, the more you trust in him because he's not sitting on his hands. Right? The quote is he empty. He's gonna em- he he reloaded and he's trying to empty the clip again. And so I yeah. love that. And could then would he be one of those guys that just right? has a revival, you know, after injury, have a great year in Detroit, and you know, on a player option, I believe he's on a player option next player year. Option, player option, walk as a walk as a free agent. Yeah. You never know. But uh, we'll see. But then uh, we can stay with the Nets, Bryce. We'll go around the NBA right now, and we'll go to power rankings. Are we starting Bryce, in the East? Then we're starting in the East. We'll start with the. I was gonna say we'll start with the Nets, but <laughs> uh, that's my pick. Uh, you know, yeah. In the East, you know, I have the Nets, the Sixers, and the Bucks in this order. I'm very impressed with the Nets lately. I didn't think they can get it together, and you know, uh, one thing was DeAndre Jordan. He looks like he's giving back some of the energy, and looks like DeAndre Jordan of old, not the old DeAndre Jordan, because <laughs> there he really looks like for about two years he. Last year and this year for a little bit, he looked like an old DeAndre Jordan. I was like, where is he? And now he looks a little bit like more like a Clippers DeAndre Jordan. I like that. They're still missing one big guy, I think, as a paint presence. Joe Harris is shooting the ball extremely well. Above 50% from three, Vlad. Above 50% from three. And two, everything. (laughs) Gosh, dang. That's shooting that thing. They've been playing extremely well without KD, so just imagine that. (laughs) <laughs> that's hard to imagine, right? They're eight and two yeah. right now over the last uh, ten games. Yeah, yep. But I'm most impressed out of everybody, right? So I expect Kyrie just score the ball. I expect Kyrie to be Kyrie. I didn't know what to expect from James Harden, and what I'm seeing from him, Bryce. I'm just gonna tip my hat off to him because I bashed him when he was out of shape and he was just dogging it in in uh, rightfully in so, rightfully so. I was just like, okay, this is ridiculous. He's, you know, he's a max player. He's the face of the franchise. You cannot do this. But then he comes here and does what he he just took his role as a point guard very serious. And he he seems more like a pure point guard than he ever was right now. It's it's really crazy, you know, that he can do what he does. He can still score at will. Don't don't get me wrong, you know, like he can still score at will. But he rebounds very well. He's shooting the ball, I believe, uh, over 40% from two and three. Uh, yep. you know, yes. He's he doesn't 40, shoot he's, the ball a ton. With, I believe with the Nets, he's a 49-42-86. 49 from the field, 42 from three, 86 from go. the free throw line. So it, he's extremely efficient, Vlad, which is a word that you never use with James Harden. Absolutely. And I think he averaged like 15 shots per game. 16 right now. Yeah, it's 16, down. 16, and his free throw yeah. attempts are down. But he's scoring just as much. Like it's... What happens? I don't understand. Well, what happened? He changed. You know, it's funny because I was going to say he changed coaches, but Dan Tony's uh, Steve Nash assistant <laughs> in Brooklyn. So I think it's just a matter of, you know, him acknowledging that he's playing with, uh, you know, two superstars. It's, uh, at least at least one of them is a Hall of Famer. I don't yeah. know about Kyrie, but KD's a Hall of Famer for yeah. sure. This good for James Harden. And, and now you wonder how much of what was going on in Houston. And I'll get to my power rankings in just a second. It's the three, same three teams, just in a different order. But you have to give him, you have to wonder if what he was doing in Houston was literally just to get out of Houston. Like if it was all a show, like he's going to do these things, he's going to act bad. He's going to show up out of shape and all this other stuff to force his way. I hope that's what it is. 
and I'm not even sure he was as out of shape as they were portraying it. I really think he had like five jerseys on or something because <laughs> as soon as okay, I he was out of shape when he came to Brooklyn, but he didn't look that bad. But Vlad, he I watched him last night. Like he still looks like he kind of have a, has a gut on him, and so maybe that's just what just how he is. Regardless, he deserves all the credit right now. Now, here's what I will say. Here's the little caveat. So, real, my top three, I actually have the Sixers one still just by a little bit. Just They're just barely there, Vlad, um, above the Nets at the two and the Bucks at the three. Um, and I do want to mention some other teams before we move to the West as well. Some guys, some teams I think deserve some recognition outside the top three. But those three haven't played together much yet, Vlad. And so I'm still interested to see what they look like. I don't think it's going to be an issue offensively, but there, there's still going to be some a little bit of getting used to each other, and they need some regular season time together before they just throw them together in the playoffs. So, um, you know, and you know, KD's out with a hamstring injury; it's been lingering. That has to worry you a little bit coming off some of the injuries he's come from. Yeah, as far as injury, it's a little worrisome. I don't think as far as chemistry on the court, it is. You think be we okay? have to remember that. I mean, we have to remember Harden and KD played together. That's true. So it's true. not going to be a, you know, it's going to be like some completely new, at least for two of them. And right now what Harden is doing, he's getting accustomed to playing Kyrie. You know, KD and, um, KD and Kyrie are good friends. So it, it's just a matter of kind of just getting everybody on the same page. But they're, you know, they're very close to it. I do think they're missing one big. And Bryce, yes. also go to the Sixers. They have Joel Embiid, great leader, and MVP. That's worth MVP. Mentioning. MVP. I don't know about that. No, no, no. We're not gonna go there. <laughs> hey, keep Luca. Keep Luca with you. Oh hey. my gosh! <laughs> so for Ben he's Simmons, he's only talking Bryce, because his Wizards have won seven of eight, and so he's feeling better about all of his predictions. That's why, fans. Hey, that's true. I didn't think about that. Uh, <laughs> hey, great point, Bryce. This is making me look good. Yeah, I appreciate I it. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> no, so like, I'll tell you this. Ben Simmons, Bryce, we've had this conversation quite a few times. The last 16 games, since so there were that talk about him probably being shipped to Houston for Harden for this, he's averaging 17.7, 8.2, 8 and 8.2. And he's being a destructive force on defense. I love the way he plays defense. To me, that's why the Sixers are so dangerous. But they are 5-5 five and five over the last 10 games. And that's the only reason that I put him under the Nets right now because the Nets just seem hotter. I think that that's that's fair. And I try to do this the best teams right now also, not projecting to where they're at, the best teams right now. And that's why like I just didn't want to put the Nets above them just yet. But I have no issue that you did. I do like the Sixers. I think Ben Simmons is treated unfairly. I think at a certain point, you have to get over where a player was drafted and just look at them for who they are as a player. Nobody wants to give Ben Simmons love because they, they think he shouldn't have been the number one pick. Well, that may be true, all right? But he's a really, really good player in the NBA. And just because he hasn't lived up to the number one pick hype doesn't mean that that's not true. Um, they have a really good three between Embiid, Simmons, Tobias Harris. I think they could still add some shooting around them is the thing with the Sixers. But they should be able to guard people in the playoffs. And they, they have two, you know, they have one of the top five players in the league, maybe top three players in the league right now, just in terms of how Joel Embiid's playing at this time. Bryce, I don't understand this about Ben Simmons, right? He's a point guard slash power forward. Honestly, yep. it's what I see him. Agreed, 1,000%. 
And this 2016 draft class, other than Ingram and Jalen Brown, okay, Jamal Murray, who got us, he, he was pretty much a steal at number seven. I don't like okay, Demonte Sabonis at eleven. I don't, I don't see it. Like you're telling me, like what's wrong? Like he was the number one pick in that draft, and I think he's playing up to that. Okay, is he the number one pick? Like you expected him to be LeBron James? I don't think that's his fault. Yeah. Nobody's you know, I think the expectation, that's not really his fault. But in that draft class, I think he's the best player in that draft class. He's the most sure. complete player in that draft class. Yep. And, okay, he can't shoot the ball. That's the huge knock on him. But he still averages 17, 8, and 8, Bryce. Like, yep. he, he's not, you know, like, oh, yeah, yeah, he is 10, 5, and 4. Like, I mean, he's, he's, he's an all-star, really, honestly. Yep. He's an all-star. He, he has he has one fatal flaw, and then it makes it easy to go at him for it. And I, I, everybody that listened to our show knows this. I love three point shooting as much as the next guy. I also like guys that can go get you a twenty point triple double. Like, give me that guy, and I'll, <laughs> like he can be the number two. And if I put everybody, if I put guys around him that can shoot threes, it doesn't matter that he can't shoot. Vlad, you made a great point last episode. You brought up how the game has changed in terms of we used to throw it to the post and play inside out that way, and now instead of throwing it to the post, we drive it to the lane and play inside out. Put four shoot three shooters plus Embiid around him, and it doesn't matter that he can't shoot threes. Okay, he's your he's your quote unquote Shaq, Elijahwan, whatever. I'm not saying he's in the same level of those guys, but he's your guy that gets the ball to the lane and either scores it or kicks it out to shooters. Yeah, agreed. And we'll, we'll get the West too because I think Utah does a great job of doing that. Yes, but uh, who do you have a third? Because I have the Bucks and I'm not. I'll be honest, I'm not really sold in the Bucks this year. <laughs> so that's it's funny. Your voice changed to exactly the way I thought it would whenever I was gonna talk about him. Right? I have the <laughs> I have the Bucks third only because there's nobody else there, but I'm not that excited about him. I think they need to make a move. I think they should trade for Bradley Bill. I'm not gonna change on that. I think they should. They're not gonna get to because the Wizards are starting to look good. I almost put the heat there. Miami, see, this is mine. Both of us have a team in the East that are moving up the rankings after slow starts. It's the Wizards for you, and it's the Heat for me that have finally got healthy and out of COVID protocol. The Heat heat are all of a sudden like top five in the Eastern Conference standings. So, sorry, they're seven, but, sorry, they're seven, but they're, they're, (laughs) no, no, no. They're seventh, but they're only half a game out of fourth, okay? Half a game out of fourth. So they're tied for in six. All, in all honesty, Bryce, let's talk about the Eastern Conference. You wanted to mention it. I mean, Toronto is in fourth place at 17 and 17. And do you believe in them? It's the same resurgence that I kind of expected from them in the Heat. They're going to trade not sure what's Kyle going on Lowry, in Boston. though. Like, and I'm not really sure what's happening in New York, though. That's I, the, To me, that's the biggest thing. Is like New York is fifth right now. Okay, not a comfortable fifth because they're two games um, – Ahead of the playing games, you know, uh, Charlotte Hornets yeah. are 10. 15 and 17, and New York Four is 10 is separated by two games. Yeah. Yeah, which is very crazy. But still, like, New York is a huge surprise. Boston is just a disappointment. And like you said, I think Miami has what it takes. Um, even They're I was sleeping on Miami for a while. Yeah. I was sleeping on, on Miami for a while because of the COVID protocols. They were not playing well. And now, you know, they have a five game winning streak. So. Which, which is best in the Eastern Conference at this point. Maybe there and, was a uh, hangover from making it to the championship last year. You know what I mean? Like maybe there was a little like could be. they overachieved. Maybe there was a little bit of like 
cell I don't want to like celebration hangover. It's going to be easier. Yeah, like okay, we've found it. Now we're just, it's just going to happen again. And yeah. they had to kind of get punched in the mouth to, to get a little bit of a wake-up call. Like, okay, let's remember why we made it to the championship last year. Yeah, absolutely. You could you could be right. And also, you're right also about the COVID protocol. You know, Jimmy Butler was out uh, and all that stuff. You know, they came with like eight players, nine players, a few games. Yeah. Uh, and that couldn't have been easier. Well, Bryce, let's go out west, man. <laughs> I want to see what you have here. I'll let you go first. Uh, I, no. I can't wait. What's I'm, out I'm, west? So I have the Jazz one. So again, th- these rankings for me, I did this based on the teams right at this moment. Because I've been on mm-hmm. this show saying that I don't think uh, – I have questions about the Jazz ability to win a championship. But right now, I think the Jazz are one, Clippers are two, and I still have the Lakers three. And I've, I peaked at yours, oh. and so I can't wait to get to yours. But – I want to stay on the Jazz for just a second because they're starting to make some comparisons to the Pistons championship teams. And I, I, I emphasize teams because that's what they say this Jazz team is. You know, that maybe it doesn't have the superstar, um, but they play really well as a team. And, and I just want to go to some analytics here or some advanced, not analytics, sorry, some advanced stats. Their net rating is significantly higher than anyone else. So if you take their offensive and defensive ratings, they're number four offensive, number two defensive for a 9.4 total, which is the best um, in the last three years in the association. So um, for comparison, the the 73 and 9 Warriors team had a net rating of 10.6, and these Jazz are at 9.4. So the stats look good. The record looks good. Um, you you got to like the way the team works together. It'll just be really interesting now to see if they can continue to do it and if it happens for them in the playoffs. Bryce, we talked about paint touches. We talked about shooting the ball and the way basketball is played right now. I've watched the Jazz a little more since they start getting hot. But what I notice is one ball movement, four out, one in at all times. Gobert is always in that baseline. A lot of drive and kick. And they seem to get at least one paint touch, if not two on a possession. It's like penetration, pass, extra pass, attack, stop on two feet, pass outside, either shot or another penetration. Usually Gobert gets like a layup or a dunk. Other than Donovan Mitchell playing one-on-one or Colin creating out the pick and roll, this seems to be the game. Like they get in the paint, they get the ball out, they shoot or they penetrate right back in. And then... They also help themselves, I think. By doing that, you help yourself defensively too. Yep. You know, you get you yes. get the you make them work. You get them tired, right? It's like it's not you're playing one pick and roll with three guys are watching. When you have four guys moving and okay, you're a big man playing the baseline, that's huge. <laughs> but and I'm, go okay. ahead. I'm laughing because I want you to come talk to our high school team today because you are literally repeating things that we've been preaching at them. <laughs> so for our listeners that don't know, I'm an assistant coach here in Kansas. We're actually about to be into like the playoffs of our we, – we went 19-1 and one in the regular season, but we preach to our guys, play offense for – like move the ball side to side, wear the defense down, make them work. Like it'll be deflating. And like so everything – I'm just listening to you going, how can I make our guys listen to our – because. 
my guys don't listen to the podcast. Um, but I'm like, I'm going to make them listen to this little segment because like that's exactly how we want to play. So sorry to interrupt you, but I just couldn't help. Absolutely. And then you have Gobert, who's a defensive anchor, protects the paint. So they have two two anchors, two defensive anchors for first unit and second unit, right? So they have Favors in the second unit, who's not as good as Gobert, but he's pretty good at it. They have shooters on both units. You know, they have Royce O'Neal, Joe Ingles, Bogdanovich, all these guys, uh, Dieng, who can shoot. They, they can all shoot the ball, right? They have Conley and Clarkson. So they, they have, I don't know, they have a total team effort. It yes. feels like it. And they know what they're doing. Now, how does that fit in, Bryce, with championship teams? Because our Detroit Pistons were a unicorn. Yeah. So can they be that unicorn too now? Or is it going to be one of those playoff things where, okay, they lose in the conference finals or something? I, I don't know. That, that That's like... It's hard. That's such a huge question. It is because they play the game the way I love to see the game played, and they're getting compared to you know our favorite championship teams. I just don't like that piston. Those piston teams were so like you say they were a unicorn, and they were so special, and the chemistry seemed so perfect, and that's what it requires. Like it, it really takes. And I don't think you find out about a team if they really have that special chemistry until the playoffs. And I guess that's why it's my hesitation to, they're a championship contender, but like I wouldn't put my money on them just because I don't think you find out if they have that special chemistry until the playoffs come. It'll be fascinating. I can't wait to see it. Honestly, we'll see in the playoffs, but they do have what it takes. Now, the basketball world has changed right and we can go into our second team right and i think we both have the clippers as second yes, right yes yes and you have Kawhi and paul george they all have these certified superstars like yep. superstars like hall of famer two two or three of them right and utah seems to be a unicorn that's that area too because other than mitchell i don't see like hall of famers out there i agree honestly maybe go bear at the end but like mitchell is that superstar and he he's not chance. even a certified hall of famer yet like not i don't yet, know no. if he's gonna be a hall of famer or not yeah. He's a great player. He's an all-star, you know. And then you have the Clippers with Paul George, right? Paul George right now is averaging 24 points per game, <laughs> a true shooting percentage of over 65. He's shooting 66.1% as a true shooting percentage. The last 30 years, only four other players were able to do that. Others, you know, guys like Kevin Durant. And Marcus Morris shooting the ball, 50% from three. Kawhi is being Kawhi. So can they beat a team like that in a series? Yeah, right. I mean, they have the superstars to do it. So they're first in the three-point shooting. The, here's my worry with the Clippers. It looks like maybe Lou Williams has fallen off a little bit. Is that fair? Like he's only averaging 12 points a game, shooting under 40% from three. I kind of wonder if they need a little more juice off the bench. Is it? Yes, but is it is it Lou Williams or is it like a system? Because they change coaches. And Lou Williams played great for Doc Rivers. So that's I think that's a like that's a, that's an important fact because sometimes guys that come off the bench, you know they they really need, uh, you know they need the coaches and, and so, when he, like Josh yes. like like Josh Jackson with Casey yes. right Casey sure. gives him the freedom to do what he does so is Tyron Lue giving, you know is he giving Lou Williams the the credit and, and I guess the last three years, go ahead. I was just say either way. 
Uh, yeah, it wasn't a knock on Lou Williams. I guess what I'm saying is I think they need the same productivity that Lou Williams has given them in the past off the bench. Whether it's from Lou Williams, whether Tyron Lou has to change the way he coaches him, or they find somebody else. I just think they... I think that was a huge piece to the puzzle. It is for the Jazz with Jordan Clarkson coming off the bench. I think for the Clippers, it's a huge piece having somebody come off the bench that can give you 18 to 20. Absolutely. Now that you mentioned this, Bryce, let's look at... Uh, I was just quick search at Lou Williams... First of all, his minutes are down. Okay, he, yes, he's 34 years old yeah, now. So his that. minutes are down. He's playing 22 minutes. And his field goals are down. He's shooting 10 times per game compared to 16, 15, and 14 last three years. So he's shooting four or five less shots a game. He's averaging six less points than last year. So last year he averaged 18.2. Now he's at 12.4. Shooting percentage is Bryce. He's shooting better in the last two years. Yeah. He's shooting 38% from three. I saw that. that his three-point, yeah, is better. He's just not shooting many shots, so I wonder yeah. if it's a coach's thing. That's true. That's and a good also, point. you know, it's it's Paul George being more aggressive. It's you know all this stuff. This can really matter for Paul for George a guy has been great. Blood. Absolutely, but like you said, they need a third scorer. Yes, yes, they do. Like a certified scorer. Yep. So let me see, let me see. Third team in the West, Bryce. No, you go because because everybody should know well, why the gonna... Lakers. I want to see why the Lakers. Why is not the Lakers for you? So the Lakers. I have and I really considered dropping it. So again, this is right now in this moment. They're they're not one of the top two teams without Anthony Davis. So if Anthony oh, Davis says, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the only reason that they're not higher. To be honest, and I mean, I think we've teased it enough. You don't even have them in the top three, and I'm assuming it's because of that. You know, right now without Anthony Davis, they may not be a top four team in the Western Conference. I think Dennis Schroeder helps he was back and and they look better with him you know what's funny is we've talked about how they've traded offense for defense with personnel but you realize they're they're the number one defensive rating okay defensive rating not deep not points against or points given up but defensive rating they're number one um so actually they're still really good defensively they're 19th in the league in scoring that's points per game and so um i still think they could use some juice offensively Offensively, I think they just miss Anthony Davis. Sure. <laughs> and the, the the more they play without him, the, the better I look, I think, you know. <laughs> I've said this team is is anchored in Anthony Davis. He yeah, goes, you, they you go. You said it from the beginning. Uh, defensively and offensively. Uh, no knock on LeBron. He's having an MVP season. But without Anthony Davis, he's turning the ball over more. He's, he's, he's not the same player. Everybody so, needs a second guy. Yeah, but when your second guy is, in my opinion, the best player in the league or the most complete player in the league, a seven feet tall can do anything you want to. Like he's a point center and the point center that can play isolation from the top of the key, the point center that can pass the ball, uh, you know, that can play mid-range one-on-one, can play back to basket. I mean, can play pick and roll and just roll hard the rim, catch lobs. Just tell me one thing that Anthony Davis cannot do on the basketball floor at yeah. this point. Sure. So yeah. to me, I'm a huge fan of Anthony Davis. And I'm not gonna hide that. So I'm, I was, I'm not shocked by what the Lakers are doing or how they are doing. They're five and five of the last ten games. So my pick was the Phoenix Suns, and we pick. talked about them last, um, you know, last episode. The only thing is, are they a contender? To me, they're missing one piece. I can't tell you. I cannot pinpoint what. Maybe Aiton playing better. Uh, maybe Booker just scoring five, six more points a game. I don't know. They're just missing something right now. I think they're they need a third. 
They need a third scorer also, in my opinion. I know, like, we've kind of talked about this at length yeah, now. Yeah, so maybe eighth and, eighth and scoring more or something like yeah. that, you know, because I don't see them pulling off a big trade right now to get a score or something like that. And that's the only reason I put them over the Lakers right now is because Lakers are without AD, and they seem very weak without AD, if you ask me. Uh, like you said, it's even a question mark if they're a top four team. And so, so do you think the – so I want you to answer. Do you think the Suns could – do you think they could pull it? I, I know anything could happen, but I know we. I think we both agree that if AD is healthy, the Lakers are the favorite. So let's say AD is not healthy come playoff time. Do you think the Suns could make the championship? Would it shock you? Current roster. Current roster, but is the current standings? Because if they meet the Jazz in the in this in the semifinals of the conference, I don't see that happening. I think the Jazz are gonna knock them out. So like. I don't – I think it's going to depend. You know, like you look at the Blazers. The Blazers in the playoffs, they can be very dangerous. You know, they get hot scoring the ball. I mean, good, good luck guard Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum and Carmelo Anthony in a playoff series where they get hot. So a lot can happen in this in this West, but I think also a lot depends on the standings. Sure. And the matchups, and the matchups right? So yes, yes. Right now you have the Jazz in the first place. You have the Suns in the fourth. Which you know it means a semi a conference semifinals matchup between them two, and on the other side is the Clippers and Lakers. And you so, know what? You know what else the Suns could get? They could get the Warriors in the first round. The Warriors right now are in seventh, half a game back of the fifth spot. Yep. So exactly. How about that for how about that for the Suns? You got to play Steph Curry and and J- Draymond Green and oh, James Wiseman right. in the first round. Then you got to play the Jazz, and then you get the winner of the Clippers Lakers. Like, have fun wait, with that. Wait, you <laughs> wait, so you don't have faith in Dallas Mavericks? You know, just in a playing game. <laughs> no, I want the. Oh, uh, I want Dallas to trade for Bradley Bill as well. Well, he can't play on two teams, Bryce. What is this? Two K? <laughs> <laughs> Pick a team. I don't know. Like, well. One of them needs to trade for him. That's all I'm saying. I don't care which one. If I had a choice, I'd rather it be the Mavericks. I think him and Luca would be a, a joy to watch play basketball together. Um, but I think the Bucks should do it as well. But so, or even the Nuggets, Vlad. The Nuggets are in the eight right now. What if they moved up into the fifth spot and the Suns had to play them? Like you're exactly right. The way these these standings shake out could dictate a lot of what ends up happening and who makes it to the semis and eventually the championship of the Western Conference. Yeah, and I don't want to be too repetitive, but injuries. And we're talking Portland missing CJ McCollum. We're talking yes. the Lakers, right, missing AD. Um, okay, the Warriors, they're missing Clay. That's okay. That's that's something that's, that was expected for the whole season. But, but Wiseman like missed, this, some, missed some games. Yeah, and then Mavericks, like how healthy is Porzingis? When is he gonna, yep. you know, when is he gonna get rested and stuff like that? Um, you know, uh, Memphis without John Morant, stuff like this can really impact the whole, you know, the whole playoff uh, picture. So, right now the Lakers, for example, can they drop? Okay, they can't drop much, much lower in the fourth right now, but if they're missing Anthony Davis for like a month, one more month, one month and a half. Yeah. Then they could drop yep. like a sixth. Yep. I mean, how long are you going to play LeBron? Top and that's three a lot minutes of wear and tear on him. Yeah, that's a lot of wear and tear on him. Vlog. He's playing top three. He's top three in minutes. I give him a lot of credit for the way he keeps his body in shape. It's incredible the way he's preparing himself. That's amazing. I mean, truly fascinating. If you ask me. Yes. But as a coach, do you really want him playing those kind of minutes right now? 
Ideally, no, but they, they don't have a choice. And there was a sh- we're talking about a very short off season for him too. Yes. So you have to be very careful, right? Like you're, you have two two huge superstars. One is already injured, and one is a little bit old. Yes, he's great, but he's a little bit old. So he, please be careful. Yeah. Like hey, so you know what I just the Lakers see? can drop a lot and still make some noise with two healthy superstars. You know what I just realized. If anybody from San Antonio listens to us right now, they're never going to listen to us again because they're, num- <laughs> they're number five in the West at 17 and 12, and we didn't even talk about them. We literally talked about the four teams in front of them, skipped over them, talked about the one, two, three, four, five teams behind them. We talked about all the top teams in the top 10 except for Greg Popovich and the San Antonio Spurs. So... Uh, maybe just the ju- style of play. I don't know what it is, but we're uh, just honestly- like every other media outlet there is. Every other podcast, every other show, we're just like them. The Spurs aren't any fun to talk about, and we're 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 falling right in line. And we should apologize because we should. Uh, you know we're better we than play that. basketball. Yes, <laughs> we play we slash <laughs> play the basketball, so we should know better. Yes, we should know better. I, I'm ashamed of myself right now. It won't happen again. I'm sorry. <laughs> I am sorry too, but I'll say this: DeRozan having a heck of a year too. Yes, he is. He should so, get some more love. Uh, now, now that we mentioned this, you know, DeRozan averaged twenty points per game, almost five rebounds, seven assists. He, he's been huge for the Spurs team, you know, and it's going to be interesting because he's one of those guys that you know hasn't been able to shoot the three per se. Yeah. Right. So that was how does he's he fit guy. this year? Yep. Yeah, he's a mid-range well, guy. Just his recent game, you know, 0% from three. So, like, Yep. They're, they're, and, they make the least amount of threes in the league, the Spurs do. So that's, you know, that that's very interesting. But in a playoff setting. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. You know you know how they are. I mean. They tough. also they have the just, best assist to turnover ratio. Greg Popovich style. You know, like, it's nothing. Um, Disciplined. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they're a tough team to beat. I just don't see them as a... Maybe the reason why I skip over them and I kept seeing them in the standings and everything was just because I don't see them as a contender. Agreed. I just don't think they have enough juice that you mentioned earlier to be a contender. That's Agreed. the only thing. Absolutely. Because I, I they're a very good team. Uh, you know, they're the first in Southwest Division. But I don't see them making a run right now. So that's the only thing you know like uh, warriors get hot they might make to a conference semifinals i just don't see you know this person might be there but they're probably going to overachieve in the regular season because popovich is so good um but some of that stuff tends to balance out then in the playoffs um so absolutely and bryce now let's get back to pistons you know we we talked about our record being three and 15 on the road and uh the schedule for the second half was released a lot better, you know, <laughs> a lot better than that first half. That was just brutal for us. But, uh, you know, the first week right now in March, it's not um, it's not so bad. We're playing New York at home, Toronto on the road, and then at New York. Um, you know, what, what are your thoughts, especially with New York being such a defensive-minded team? Yeah. So, uh, so what, what was the expectation? So that's, you know, for, for people that listen, know that we record these Sundays afternoon. So we're about four, four hours or so from tip off um, for that first Knicks game right now. And, you know, I'm just excited to see, uh, you would assume there's going to be a lot of energy and enthusiasm in the gym. Derek Rose returning to Little Caesars and, you know, Dennis Smith Jr. playing back against the Knicks. 
So um, it'll it'll be interesting to see what kind of you know stuff goes on there, and um, so I, I'm I'm excited for that game. We have the Raptors scheduled for Tuesday. Uh, I'm a little nervous about whether we play that or not. You know, they have some COVID stuff going on. I think their game for tonight got postponed, actually. They did. They have even more cases right now. Yeah, so I'm assuming that game's not going to happen unless we fall into one of those situations where with the Bulls game where, you know, we find a different opponent. Then we get the Knicks again. So, again, you know, it would kind of be a rematch in New York before the all-star break, um, before we take the all-star break, you know, a, a week off from Pistons game. So uh, I'm obviously most excited for those Knicks games to, to see Derrick Rose, not in a bad way. Like I want to see Derrick Rose. I think he started for the Knicks last game. So I'm excited to see how he playing, how he looks. And then you brought up a good point that New York, a defensive minded team, how can our younger guys, how are they able to score the basketball against a team that hangs their hat on defense? Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. And I want to see, honestly, I want to see Jeremy Grant because we know Tom Thibodeau is a defensive-minded coach. He talked about this and how well they play defense. But I want to see New York and how they're going to be focusing on Jeremy Grant, I think. Sure. So yeah. how can he, like, how does he react? Because I feel like he's going to score a little bit different than usual, you know. He's going to have to score a little bit different than usual. So it's going to be a little adjustment. But overall, Bryce, I'm excited about the second part of the season, you know, yes. a lot. <laughs> I'm not seeing those uh, those huge road trips. Okay, we have one uh, one big road trip in April. You know, we're gonna go to Oklahoma City, Denver, Sacramento, Portland, LA for the Clippers game. So that's kind of the the brutal the five part, game. But, uh, yeah, yeah, the five game road trip. But other than that, I feel like a lot of home games. We've been pretty good at home, so it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I think yeah. if we um, we pick up a little more wins, but. You know, let's keep keep the eye on the prize, Kate Cunningham. <laughs> yes, sir. Kate, Kate Cunningham, keep, keep keep the eyes on the prize. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. So, uh, thank you for listening to us, and um, we hope you enjoyed it. And uh, we expect you guys to uh, email us. Uh, Twitter, Bryce is super active on Twitter. Yeah, hit us up, Motor City um, Hoops. <laughs> yep, Motor City Hoops on Twitter, Motor City Hoops show on. Uh, on Instagram and uh, Facebook, if I'm Motor City Hoops, uh, make sure you email us. Uh, we try to give you as much info on every game on Facebook, like post game. Bryce is super active during the games on Twitter, um, and uh, we always try to stay in contact with with our listeners and every other Pistons fans or even NBA fans because, as you saw, we talk quite a bit uh, quite a bit of NBA on the show. Send us so questions. Send us, us. topics. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, we would love to hear, especially for around the NBA. If you, you know, and if you're a Spurs fan, go ahead. You can bash us <laughs> on Twitter. We'll we'll take it. We'll it's, take it's it. It's fair. It's fair. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you for listening to us, and we'll catch you next week. Thank you for listening to the Motor City Hoops podcast. Catch you on the next one. <laughs>